listening to continuing Arizona votes coverage of the 2022 election with Mike Broomhead. Hey, thanks so much for being here. As you know, uh, election season is not just about candidates. It's also about propositions and voters can choose to have things dramatically change in our in our state by virtue of the ballot box. And in this case, Prop 308 is what we're talking about. It would allow uh, dreamers to pay in-state tuition. Joining us right now, a former candidate here in Arizona is Karen Taylor Robeson. Ms. Robeson, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Mike. Good, good to be back. Let's talk about uh, your uh, throwing your support behind 308. What made you come to this decision? Well, you know, as Arizona continues to grow and compete with other states, we we must have a well-educated and skilled workforce. And when I was on the when I was on the campaign trail, everywhere I went, every industry is in desperate need of a of a well-educated and skilled workforce, whether it was, you know, from education to healthcare to advanced manufacturing, uh, you know, and we we are educating these kids in our K-12 system and 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 to not allow them to further their education it's our loss as a fiscal conservative you know we're just we're investing a lot of money in them and and you know many other states and in particular conservative red states like Florida and Texas and Utah and Kansas there's a whole list of them they allow these students to to carry on into higher education because they understand the competitive environment that we're all in when uh, how do you answer the criticism, not of 308 specifically, but this is just another Band-Aid on this issue, that the issue for the dreamers should have been resolved legislatively a long time ago. And all this does is prolong it with these little Band-Aids that keep getting put on it. Well, I absolutely agree that it's 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 a Band-Aid. But these dreamers are here. And let's not forget the whole problem with immigration rests at the feet of our federal government. And when I was on the campaign trail, my number one issue was the border. And but, but it's not a binary choice. The border is a problem. We have to secure the border. But we have kids here that we have invested in. If you just just do the math, if if a kid came here at six months old or six years old and we had him in our K-12 system for 12 years at approximately, you know, nine, ten thousand dollars a year, we have been invested a tremendous amount of money in those kids. So as a fiscal conservative, I want to get a return on that investment. So it makes sense from an economic perspective. But that is completely and separate apart, separately from from the disaster at the border. I mean, the Biden administration has created a disaster at the border, which needs to be taken care of. But, you know, it's 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 one of those issues where a, a, an easy, quick political soundbite uh, doesn't doesn't resolve the problem. We can secure the border and we can deal with this, the students that are here and have been here for a long time that can and should contribute to our economy by paying taxes. And so I, and I'm I, I just I'm interested in how some of these criticisms are answered, because as far as zero is concerned, this is going to be I think this is going to pass pretty easily. But for the critics that are saying that one of the reasons why people are crossing our border illegally now and the numbers that they are coming here is because the Biden administration has basically incentivized them to come here, that we are not taking away the incentives for them to come. Do you not see this as possibly an incentive for some of those people coming here in, in state tuition for college as well? I do not. I mean, again, you know, the Biden administration has put out a sign from the before they even took office that our borders were open. 
and they have allowed this to happen. And we're now, you know, millions and millions of people flooding across this border because of Joe Biden. But some of these kids have been here for 20 years, long before Joe Biden, they came here. And that's so, you know, it's it's not an easy, you know, you know, black or white issue. There's nuances here. But the important thing is the border is currently broken. I do not see this as an incentive because these kids were here long before Joe Biden. And it's an interesting I think that's an interesting point. Uh, And the reason why I'm asking these questions is because we all want what's best. I'm someone that believes there should have this should have been handled legislatively a long time ago. There is no way as Americans we are going to turn these children back and we are going to send them to a country they don't even remember. But we are we have created as a federal government. We have created a new set of dreamers and a next generation. How do we handle the next generation that's coming here across our borders right now? Well, I, to your point, it should be resolved legislatively. And, and I think it was 2018 when President Trump proposed a solution and the Democrats stopped them. I mean, there were a couple million dreamers in the system at that time where President Trump had a path to citizenship for the dreamers, the kids that came here through no fault of their own. They were brought here at very, very young ages. Go, and it's my understanding that you know, there's a lot of litigation going on right now. In fact, just yesterday, the federal government just promulgated a new rule that that attempted to to uh, fix the procedural issues associated with with Obama's original emergent or executive order. But you know, all those things are just you know things that need to be dealt with to deal with the kids that are here, and we should not allow this. To, you know, if we dealt with it legislatively now, we wouldn't have to deal with it tomorrow. All right. One more question. I'm not going to ask about the past, but I does this is this a sign of the future? Jumping back in a little bit with something that's happening in the election cycle. Are we going to see you in another uh, office, another campaign for an office? Well, I can tell you that I made a commitment to my family that I have been very, very um, um, uh, just really adhering to. And that is spending more time with my family and getting back to my business. And that's what I'm doing. But as a small business owner in Arizona, I know we have workforce needs. And this is one small step to to solve the workforce shortages in the state of Arizona and to recoup some of the investment we've made in these kids so that they can become, you know, well-educated, uh, skilled members of our workforce on an economy that is is pretty robust. Uh, you know, all things considered, Arizona is doing pretty well. But for us to continue to compete and continue to grow, we have to have a well-educated and skilled workforce. And as a small business owner, I believe that it was critically important for me to step up and say we need to do this. Well, as always, it's good to talk with you, and I'd love to have you back uh, and talk about a multitude of things sometime. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. That's Karen Taylor Robeson, former candidate for governor and now a proponent and did a video in favor of Prop 308. And this is an important topic. Uh, Go to KTAR.com slash Arizona Votes. You can see interviews we've done with candidates, former candidates on issues to be a more informed voter because we've got the power of the ballot. So many ballots have already been cast. Early ballots are still going out there. Coming up in a moment, we are going to shift back to the economy as diesel manufacturers are warning of shortages and higher prices. At the very same time, we are ramping up the need in this country for fuel oil. What will that do to the market? All that's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions.
The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Another reminder during King LASIK season of saving LASIK in both eyes is now just $3,500. And with $2,000 savings and 0% financing for 24 months on approved credit, LASIK with Dr. King is only $146 a month. Go to kinglasik.com slash Arizona for complete details. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the economy as diesel suppliers are warning businesses to prepare for shortages of diesel fuel at the same time fuel oil prices are going up because demand goes up as it gets cooler and cooler across the country. So what will the country look like? We understand that there is not going to be, at least I understand intellectually, there is not going to be a decrease in demand for fossil fuels in a very long, for a very long time. Someone else sent me a message the other day and made a very great point. Um, go and research the number of products that are petroleum-based or have petroleum in them. It is a huge thing. We are not going to end the need for fossil fuels. If we are going to diminish the industry the way we are, take a look at what it what is going to happen. Um, you know, as we see things nationwide get more and more expensive. And the fossil fuel industry has been under attack by this administration before this president became president. He promised to do what he's doing. So he has now gone after the obscene profits of corporations. The um, federal government, and uh, this comparison is absolutely fair, um, and it's something that people ought to keep in mind. The federal government's form of profits would come in tax collection. Now, they run at a deficit. With, that doesn't mean that their income isn't through the roof. They have a spending problem in the federal government, not an income problem. But they set records for revenue every year. Can you imagine? I want you to think about this because many this is happening to many Americans. You haven't changed your lifestyle to the good, most of you. Most of you have had to change your lifestyle to the bad because of inflation. You may be getting record revenue, just like the United States Treasury. You may be taking in more money than you've ever made in your life. But you're paying out more, not by your own choice. The federal government spends and spends and spends and spends, and they don't cut back. They have got record revenue again in the past fiscal year, set another record revenue into the United States Treasury, and yet the solution from this administration is taxation. But this is now going to be a punishment tax. They're going after the wealthy, they say. 87,000 new IRS agents are not only going to be going after wealthy people. They're going to go after people that are doing gig jobs and small business owners and contractors and people that deal in cash or online payments. If you're out there with a hustle right now trying to make a living and make ends meet by driving, by being a rideshare driver or a delivery driver with your own vehicle, they're coming after you too to make sure that you pay the cut that they want you to. They are constantly finding new ways to get into the pockets of the American people at a time when you have less and less money in your pocket because of high prices that are happening. So what do they do? They demonize the people in private industry instead of cutting the costs for the American people, dramatically slashing government programs that are absolutely unnecessary. Just like you have to do, why doesn't our government have to do this? You and I, when money gets tight, are forced to make decisions of prioritization. We have to prioritize our spending. 
You got to pay your mortgage or your rent. You know you have to pay that. You got to pay the insurance on your vehicle. You have to pay for your vehicle. You have to have enough money for fuel for your vehicle unless you drive an electric car. You have to be able to pay your utility bills so that your power doesn't get shut off, so your water doesn't get shut off. All of these things are the necessities that have to come first. In whatever order you want to put them, those are the necessities. You got a cell phone bill and an internet bill. That's pretty important. But then you've got cable. You've got some other things, the things your kids want to do but don't necessarily need to do. When was the last time you bought yourself a new piece of clothing? All of these things go into your mind when you try to figure out how to keep your head above water financially. When was the last time the federal government had to make that kind of a decision? The answer is never, at least not in my lifetime. We don't see them saying these are valuable programs that we have to cut them in the interest of the budget. They just raise taxes. They say it's only on the rich. They only say they're going after the very wealthy. And then they demonize private industry. And I'm going to ask the question again that I've asked so many times. And, I, you know, I, I'm not asking it as a trick question. I'm, I'm trying to make people think. If the same oil companies that are now bilking the American people with war profits were charging less than $3 a gallon for four years during the previous administration, what changed? What changed between besides the president and the policies of that president when it came to the oil and gas industry? What changed? We know the war is going on and it's being used as an excuse by this president to blame everything on Putin's price hike. But we also know intellectually that's not true. Look, I can do an internet search like anybody else can. Go and search gas prices. Go back. Go back to the Obama administration, and you can see month after month the trends in gas prices going up and down. We're not even talking about diesel here. Gasoline prices going up and down. And what they did during the Obama administration, how they cratered during the Trump administration before COVID, not just during COVID, under $3 a gallon for the entire four years. And from the week President Biden took office, they have increased dramatically and then they accelerated when the war happened between Russia and Ukraine. So there's something there. And you have to be able to answer that question. If it's obscene profit-taking, why didn't they do it during the Trump administration? Why are the same greedy oil barons, why are the same greedy people, why in the world were they under three bucks a gallon for those four years? It's a great question, and if you can answer it, answer it when you can answer it, then we'll get closer to an answer on the whole thing. But if you're going to block the question out of your mind, it deserves to be answered if you're following the narrative of the president that these oil companies are bilking the American public. We should not be demonizing private industry. What we should be doing is finding solutions, not making accusations. Coming up in a moment, Byron Donalds, GOP representative in Southwest Florida, joins me. He is supporting Kerry Lake and also going to talk to him with a hurricane update. All that's coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I started a war before we even came on the air. Joining me is Representative Byron Donalds from Southwest Florida, and uh, I'm wearing Miami Hurricanes gear, and he's a Florida State graduate, so I'm not sure he's going to speak to me for the rest of this interview. I don't even know why you're wearing that. <laughs> you know, you should know better. Florida State is going to beat uh, Miami. Uh, okay, That's we're going to have to make a friendly wager on the game, if, if there is such a thing on that game, if a friendly wager. No such thing, but we're going to win anyway. Okay, and, um, 
That's it. There is nothing better than smack talk when it comes to Florida football. But let's get an update. Before we find out why you're here in Arizona, let's talk about a hurricane update and how the first responders and the federal government have responded and the governor of Florida have responded to Hurricane Ian. Well, first and foremost, uh, Hurricane Ian basically hit my district. I represent all the pictures people have seen on on TV, Fort Myers Beach, Sanibel, Captiva, Naples, Bonita Beach. Uh, that's all my congressional district. It was hit incredibly hard. Um, I, first and foremost, the governor has been fantastic. Governor DeSantis has been a true leader, making sure that assets were pre-positioned in the state to help the recovery process start immediately. Uh, FEMA, SBA, they've actually been top-notch. The coordination between the governor's office and the White House to make sure that people are getting the assets that they need for recovery, that's gone great. Um, FEMA just started up a week ago their housing assistance program, so people who are displaced can actually you know, get housing. That's now up and running. Uh, National Guard, um, our Army Corps of Engineers was doing blue roof programs. And then it's about just being in the district day after day after day. We've been doing that really until I came out here, um, day in, day out out in communities, finding out what people need specifically, trying to help people get their homes uh, mucked out, try to get them restored, get them stuff they need like, you know, pillows, towels, <laughs> linens, air mattresses, things like that. Um, it's been all-encompassing, but it's really the, the, the grit and the passion of, of the people of Southwest Florida to rebuild has been something to behold. It's, been, it's been, been amazing. That's been the message I've heard as I've talked with friends and actually had a couple of my friends on the air here to give updates in Arizona about the sense of community. I worked on San for years and to see the devastation on that island now it's almost incomprehensible to me once you've been there and you've seen that island the devastation was just amazing and right. Marco Island right right no it is like I tell people all the time like Fort Myers Beach which is kind of the epicenter it looks like they, a war was fought there and they were using explosives RPGs bombs you name it it's just complete devastation there Sanibel was devastated but you know what the resolve of people they're just like okay we, we took one it was really really bad just point me in a direction get me information, help me just get the things that we need to triage it, and they just want to rebuild and get back. So let's talk about why you're in Arizona. Why does a representative from Southwest Florida cross the country to come to Arizona to support a gubernatorial candidate? Because I'm about winning. Look, I'm a conservative. I got into politics not because of family or not because of anything like that. I'm a, I'm a Tea Party conservative, um, and that's how I kind of got into politics. And for the, for the longest time, what I've seen is, you know, we have Republicans who they'll vote right and they'll do the right things but it's not just what you do in the chamber it's about leadership it's about willing to take on the tough challenges and I could easily see way back in the primary process that the person who can take on challenges almost like none other is Carrie Lake and so it was a matter of coming out here and be like you know what I just want to be supportive because in Florida in Southwest Florida like I'm going to be fine I'm going to be good I'm going to win re-election Southwest Florida I'm going to continue to be your congressman but we need champions all across the United States I'm also going to be doing an event with Kelly Cooper this afternoon to help him get across the line because it's about winning. The, 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 the political left, the radical left, their mission is always accomplishing the agenda. They can say whatever they want in their TV ads and all that kind of stuff, but when they get to Capitol Hill, what they always do 
is accomplish the agenda. They're always about that. And you have to have uh, you have to have Republicans who are committed to the America first policies to get it done. And it's not just in Capitol Hill. It's also in state capitals. And so that's why I'm here to support her, because I just think that you got to make sure you do everything you can to get people across the line. So when it's time to put these policies in, you have a governor who's committed to doing that work. I know everybody sees Florida. Everybody loves America's governor, Ron DeSantis. I love him, too. He's awesome. But you had to get him across the line first. No different here in Arizona. When you uh, did you imagine that you would have the kind of influence that you've had in Washington since you've been there? Did you imagine you'd have this kind of influence? No, but I mean, I just do the job to me. It's let me back up. Here's what I'll say to you. I told my constituents when I was running for Congress that I'm going to take the, 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 the values of conservatism to all voters all across the country. It's always been my mission because the country cannot thrive and survive if we don't maintain common sense values and conservative principles. So I think what's happened is I've been on that mission and people it's resonated with people and they've responded to it. So it's given me the ability to continue to do this. Um, but I'm committed to America succeeding. I got three sons. America has to succeed for my sons. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. My mom didn't have anything. We were poor. I was in line for government cheese and peanut butter. I've used food stamps. I used WIC. I struggled coming up. This is the only country that can allow my story to exist. And so if it means I got to get on the plane, and I mean, look, I'm not struggling here. You brought me to Scottsdale, okay? So, you know, I'm going to be in Chandler, Arizona tonight with Carrie Lake and Charlie Kirk, and it's going to be phenomenal. Blake Masters will be there with us. And, like, I'm not struggling in in the game of life. But we have families here in Arizona. We definitely got families in California. I mean, it's California. It's terrible. Um, But we have families all through this country, and they want the same thing. They want their children to thrive and succeed. They want their children to be better than them. And you do that at the ballot box. You do it with supporting people who are committed to the policies that allow for stories like mine to exist. And that's why I'm here for Carrie Lake. So let's talk about what's going to happen tonight. What what, If people want to go to the event tonight, what What's going to happen and when and where? So a couple things. One, we're having a pregame. Okay, so this is cool stuff. We're doing a pregame. Go to ByronAZ.com. If you're listening, go to ByronAZ.com. We're doing a pregame hosted by Elijah Norton, Barry Goldwater Jr., Anthony Manahan, and Christine Cothran. I think I got your last name right, Christine. And so we're going to be doing that at Elijah's home in North Scottsdale. It's a pregame. Doors open at 5 p.m. Special guest, Congressman Paul Gosar, one of my colleagues, Freedom Caucus colleagues. Man, Paul's amazing. He's going to be there with us. Um, go to Barry. Go to ByronAZ.com, and you can come on there, come to that. And then the first 40 people who get tickets now, first 40, you get to be on the bus with us. We're going to go over to the rally tonight. And then the rally, now this is where it's going to be fun. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up. This is all live radio, folks. So I'm pulling up <laughs> on my phone right now because I don't want to get the details wrong at all. So then, what's gonna, then what we're going to do is, I'm on the right thing. Here we go. Nope, that's not it. Chandler, right? Chandler, here we go. D.C. Steakhouse, evening event, Cary Lake, 180 Arizona Avenue, Chandler, Arizona, 180 South Arizona Avenue, Chandler, Arizona, Cary Lake, Charlie Kirk, Blake Masters, and then yours truly, the congressman from the great state of Florida, Byron Donalds. We're going to have a great time tonight. It is um, great to reminisce with someone and people from Southwest Florida, my home, making me homesick. But I want to thank you for being involved in and the Freedom Caucus. I got to know one of the founding members. You know, Matt Salmon was a candidate for governor, but Matt Salmon, one of the founding members of the Freedom Caucus. I went to D.C. and got to meet some members, and I don't think people understand the 
impact that the Freedom Caucus has in D.C. It's pretty phenomenal. Yes. And, and honestly, what it is, is you have members from all across the country. Like, we all aren't from one state. We're from everywhere. But what we understand is that the House of Representatives has to have members who are committed to conservative principles and not running away from it just because the media decided they wanted to focus on something else, not because the New York Times is some bum story that, that frankly is poorly written and they did, they did little research, but that becomes the dogma that runs through politics. It is about holding other Republican leaders accountable to those America first principles. And that doesn't mean you don't want to work with people. Like I'm a business guy. I came from the finance world. That's my business. So it's all about making sure people understand and get what they need, but you got to be committed. And that's what the Freedom Caucus is about. It's about being committed. So that's what we got to do. All right. Um, ByronAZ.com if Byron you want to go. And it starts this evening, and they're going to truck over to the event if you're one of the first 40 people. You're one of the first 40. Uh, thanks for coming in. Hey, by the way, real quick before we sure. go, because I know you got to pay bills sure. on the show. I think so. Yeah. You got to pay bills? Sure do. You know Florida State's going to beat Miami. <laughs> you know this, right? <laughs> no, I don't. As a matter of fact, we're going to pull off a big upset, I think, this year. Arizona, you heard that chuckle? He knows it, too. This is the truth. <laughs> it's a pleasure being with you, man. It's awesome. There is nothing like talking smack in football. We'll be back here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Big uh, thank you to Byron Donalds from Southwest Florida. It's good to have somebody from home here and catching up with some of the people on his team and realizing we had a lot of friends in common and it's always good to talk with them. But um, uh, just as I want everyone to know, we continue in our quest to have all candidates on. I want you to know that um, we have continued to invite uh, Katie Hobbs on the show. We continue to invite Mark Kelly on the show. So far, we haven't gotten a response. We haven't, and that, you know, we're hoping that it will happen. It's time is running out. Um, the end of this week, we're going to be done talking to candidates. But just so you know, we would love to hear from all sides and ask questions and allow them to, to talk about what's happening. We know that President Obama is going to be in town for Katie Hobbs and for Mark Kelly later on this week. And uh, we've also been reaching out trying to get the Obama camp to come on the show as well. Um, so far, I don't know how that's going either. But just to let you know that you know where I stand politically. But we have allow all voices and we have conversations with as many people as we can on every side of an issue and we're continuing to do that as we want everybody to be an informed voter. Um, we talked about immigration earlier, and I want to bring this back up again because it is something that we uh, all are concerned about, or at least we should be concerned about. I had a great conversation with Karen Taylor Robeson earlier about her support for Prop 308, which would allow uh, in-state tuition for uh, dreamers. And uh, I asked the obvious questions about, uh, you know, supporting this issue. And is it just a Band-Aid? She admitted that it is a Band-Aid, but in the interest of educating the workforce in Arizona, it's a small price to pay in order for that to happen. But my bigger concern is where we're going next, which is the federal government is a failure on the border. Now, they have not been successful in the past. Again, if we want to keep going and rehashing the same conversation, you're going to get an acknowledgement from me. No administration has been perfect on the border. Go back as far as you'd like to Reagan if you want to. The problem was never solved. But you have to, if I'm going to acknowledge that is true, and it is, um, you have to take a look moving forward. You have to take a look that it has never been as bad as it is right now. 2.7 million 
uh, people crossing our border that we came in contact with. That doesn't include the gotaways. A record number of people crossing the border. They're on the terror watch list. And we are creating the next generation of dreamers. That's my biggest problem. But just having the congressman in here and talking about it, he has three children. I've got grandchildren. And we are going to pass this problem on to them. That's my bigger issue with all of this. Not only are we not solving the problems. But we're passing it on to our children and our grandchildren, whether it's the debt that we've created or problem with this. We know what we know the problems that illegal immigration has caused by the mishandling that we've had with um, um, with immigration in this country. That's created the generation of dreamers that we have. This generation of dreamers, they deserve an answer. They deserve a legislative answer to what's happened. But we've created a bigger issue and a bigger problem before we solved this problem. That is my biggest issue when it comes to the problem solving at the border. How many times have I been chronicling for you the the desperate situation of human trafficking at our border and how much worse it's getting? How much worse it's getting all the time, and it's getting worse and worse, and we're doing nothing about it. We are watching human beings put into slavery. We are watching young girls and young women are being forced into the sex trade. This has to stop. Now there is a violent uh, interaction between Venezuelan uh, refugees or uh, Venezuelan migrants crossing our border illegally and you and the border patrol or border agents forced to use pepper spray and um, uh, pepper balls to repel people from coming into the country. We've got to start setting standards of immigration in this country. That doesn't mean we're not in favor of immigration. This country was built on immigrants. If you remember Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty, it was a sign of Americanism. It, it wasn't always perfect, but that was a sign of what you did as an orderly way of coming to this country and then contributing to America. That, that's, that's what that symbol is. That is not the symbol that we have at the southern border. It is nothing like it, it, the immigration system in the U.S. and how it should be. We should have an immigration system we're proud of. The fact that the world wants to come here should be a source of pride for us, and it isn't right now. And it needs to be fixed for a multitude of reasons. As the Guatemalan government warns that the U.S. is doing nothing and migrants that want to come here are saying that the policies of the United States are doing nothing. People in Guatemala and their government are saying that what we are doing is damaging not only our country but the Guatemalan country as well because these migrants are piling into Guatemala and they are stuck there. And we're not doing anything to help the Guatemalan people with theirs and we're not doing anything about ours. It's something we should be taking a longer, harder look at. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we're going to go back to the campaigns and what's going on and what I think is the biggest news story as of late when it comes to campaigns, and that is Mark Victor, the libertarian candidate for governor, has dropped out of the race and thrown a support behind Blake Masters. We'll discuss it next.